Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Azure centric podcast on uh, on our Azure weekly update show. My name is Marcos Nogueira, and with me, I have my other partner of the Man in Black, Angelos. How are you, my friend? I am amazing. Uh, yeah, it's been a very busy week. Uh, we are recording a little bit uh, later on the weekend uh, because we were out enjoying the beautiful sunshine and uh, spending some time uh, with our loved ones and our families. So Abs that was a very, it's been a wonderful weekend absolutely, for me. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and because, yes, it's the summer. Or we say that the very good weather of the of the spring arrive in our beautiful province of Alberta, um, mm -hmm. and we decided to enjoy a little bit more. Um, although we use wisely the time to just record this where it's raining. So absolutely yes, today's been the kind of the typical spring day with the beautiful sunshine. <laughs> And thunderstorms sprinkled throughout. <laughs> exactly. So means that the clouds are full. <laughs> this is true. Uh, what there's a, a lot worst going on. Joke to start this show. <laughs> it's one of my favorite things, it's, though yes, I have to admit. Yes. It's, it's Azure everywhere. Uh, even even it is even on the even on Alberta. Oh, we come back again. Oh. Oh, I guess I guess we have a special guest today. Yes. That's good. <laughs> we have the special Casper is back. <laughs> exactly. That's okay. That's okay. So so it was a very good week um for updates, although uh I think everybody was maybe catching their breath a little bit after build. Um lots of hard work. There was a very, very uh heavy week the week before with the build conference. And a lot of very uh, well, huge uh, updates, right? Yes. So this week was a bit more relaxed, and uh, we did talk about the theme. And what did, what did we land on for our theme this week? Uh, it was a generic theme, so it's like um, it's a little <laughs> bit of everything. Although I have to say that from the all the updates that we had this week, is probably one of the weeks that we had to cut. Uh, not to cut that we are not uh, mentioning um, less in this case updates because it was it were not made for the agenda uh, in this case for our area so we can say that was uh, an IT uh, an IT infrastructure week because we will go talk about site Azure site recovery security center. Uh, our new favorite project, Azure Sentinel, um, talking about some good um, uh, Azure and announcements that they are in GA, a very cool one, um, and it's it's a very short in terms of of number, but very good in content. So it's a quality it week instead of a quantity week. Ah, very wise, very wise indeed. Yes, I would have to agree. There is some very good quality updates yes, this week. Absolutely, like absolutely. So very good. It's going to be a very good discussion. But before going on that, what I would like to, to do is to thank you in this case, uh, to just click my button, my favorite button 
off. Don't forget to subscribe if you like the content um, and if you want to hear more from us. Um, apparently, everyone is enjoying um, and we want to thank you for that uh, in this case. Uh, I think Andrew is is very humble like me to every mm. week see the amount of feedback that we are receiving. Um, it's really awesome to get that. And please keep it up. So don't forget to smash like smash like Hulk <laughs> that like button <laughs> or leave it comments. Um, we have a few of you guys that they are seeing um, this podcast, which is awesome, um, which is good because I have some colleagues of mine that they are seeing and they are mentioning me, Tay. What a great show. What a, what a, a fun way to learn what has been on, on Azure for the last week. And for that, That's we amazing. want to thank you. Uh, as well, uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yes, you. In this case, that you are watching, don't forget to subscribe, <laughs> put the bell or whatever it is there, and let's move on. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. the The feedback has been amazing, and it, it is very humbling indeed that uh, so, you know once in a while we we can speak with somebody or we're working with somebody, and they say, "Hey, we we saw your podcast." Yes. And uh, it's. I always feel a bit nervous, but also very excited all kind of uh, all at the same time, yeah. right? And uh, it's re it's really special, uh, I guess is maybe the right word. Uh, but uh, we super appreciate it. We really do. And, you know, thank you so much for participating with us because you make it fun for us too. Absolutely. And you make the reason for this conversation happen every single week, right? So absolutely. Let's let's start our podcast. Let's roll into the video, uh, or in this case, into the intro, and then we can come back uh, with the updates, shall we? So welcome back. And now let's start on our first update. On our first update, it's a kind of a mouthful, but Azure announced general availability of a scale-out NVIDIA A100 GPU cluster, the fastest public cloud supercomputer. What a way to start our week. Besides that, your ad again shrink. But that, that's okay. Oh, excellent. Oh, my that's goodness. Okay. Very close up. Ay, 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 as they say, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. So while you're doing that, uh, yeah. So this was a really interesting kind of a tidbit that uh, the blog slipped in there on us. And uh, it's kind of interesting because we've seen a lot of NVIDIA GPU clustering happening in Azure. And uh, we've started to see some hardware upgrades, uh, which is almost hard to imagine. But uh, it, it, you know, there is some hardware shortages uh, worldwide right now. And we're still kind of, uh, even though I feel optimistic, we're entering what, I, what I'm crossing my fingers and knocking on wood a bit and hoping 
we're at the tail end of this whole pandemic challenge around manufacturing and lifestyle changes, but uh, it has impacted deliveries. And yet Microsoft has been able somehow to have a procurement process that is robust enough to withstand this. So they've still been upgrading hardware, adding data centers, building out their existing data centers and adding new ones and making like, it just keeps going and going, right? So when I was looking at this uh, NVIDIA GPU update for cloud GPU instances, I'm going to let you grab some of these numbers out of here because <laughs> I I love the way that you emphasize things, yeah. but I'm going I'm going to lead you right into it and say the benchmarking with the 164 uh, ND A100 V4 virtual machines on a pre-release public supercomputing cluster yielded a high-performance LINBAC, which is the like LINPAC is the the testing standard, right? Result of what did we hit here? 16.59 petaflops. So it's petaflops. not petaflops. Flops. It's not... Not flip-flops, but petaflops. Yeah, exactly. Petaflops, it's... Uh, for you that you are uh, listening, um, it's... <laughs> I don't know how to describe it. It's like... It's... What, so we have gigabytes... We have terabytes. We have from terabytes. We have two petabytes. Uh, so this is the scale above the terabytes. So just to give you an idea, and this is sixteen point fifty nine petaflops, flops, right? And it's That's huge. Right. Yeah, it's huge. to go backwards to teraflops is times 1024 exactly. still stands the same for uh processor function. Yeah. So yeah, it's huge, super, super crazy amount of throughput for processing. Yes, it is. It is, it is unbelievable big in this case. Um, and I'm just trying to do some, some numbers here because for example, I have the a GPU uh, that is nothing to do with this. That is, um, this is the benchmark, right? Uh, I'm just trying to, to do something here. Um, and on the, just to give you an idea, the benchmark of NVIDIA RTX, 390 that is a 24 gigabyte um, in this case uh, achieve uh, something close to uh, where I can see this something close to uh, on the flops so while you're coming up with that number I want to talk a little bit about VM to VM connectivity. Yes. So in these tests using the A100s, every eight GPU virtual machine features a full complement of third generation NVIDIA NVLink, enabling GPU to GPU connectivity within the VM that exceeds 600 gigabytes per second of data throughput. 
So these are really being used to process a huge amount of data. So quite often these are used for machine learning and AI processing. And there's a lot of flexibility within uh, the standards that they've uh, kind of set with this. And as if you scroll down even a little bit in the uh, article, there is a kind of, well, it's a very small, it's a one-liner, but there is a chart with the uh, VM size and uh, you get 96 physical CPU cores. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty beefy server. 900 gigs of RAM, the eight uh, NVIDIA A100 uh, GPUs. Uh, you get the temporary, like the normal temporary space. And then you also get uh, two 200 gig InfiniBand network connections on the VM. And your Azure network connectivity for that VM is 40 gigabits per second. Yes. It's huge. It's, it's like huge. this is a beast. I'm trying to find the 390 because it's, it's the uh, the true output of the GPU, um, and I'm trying to see if we can get some of that those numbers just a compression because I found some numbers over here, but I don't want to to say that I, I I'm wrong or not. But you mentioned that we have six hundred gigahertz correct uh, uh 600 gigabits between each of the gpus so uh with the vm sizing you get eight of the gpus and there's 600 gigabits between the gpus for connect connectivity yes it, it doesn't say over here so they say that this can do some of some of uh a few uh, gigabits of of, of in this case gigaflops um <laughs> this 32 bit uh, machine 30, 30 uh, 24 gig in this case uh uh graphic cards that i have one i was what the, the lucky one to have on my on my simulator um which is amazing i have to say uh, graphics on on that is absolutely stunning a 24 gig uh, that they have this guy in this case we have 164 only um yes and it's 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 like we have a pool of 164 vms to doing this <laughs> uh, which every gpu fixture um they have this functionality i saw another day uh because these new graphic cards that i'm talking about you can use what think I think it's the NVIDIA link that they are talking about over here. That you can yeah. put two together uh, to have 48 gigs of memory. In this case, is GDR6 or whatever it is that this this 390 RTX 390 that is the consumer one. These ones mm -hmm. are are the the professional ones in this case. Um, That's right. Uh, and that is important to note though too, right? Because in these in these virtual machines, you are responsible for adding additional software. So if you want to add uh, any additional software, uh, you have to add that. It does not come with any special packs or anything. It's a kind of a straight VM. It just has the hardware access and the drivers 
yeah. provisioned for that. If you want to add special NVIDIA software, that's your responsibility and considered part of the end user. Yes. So yeah. in this case, we're talking about 164 VMs, right? Mm -hmm. But we're talking about something that each VM, it's 96 cores, okay? And yep. eight times 40 gigs of these NVIDIA, <laughs> NVIDIA masters. So uh, you do the math um, because it's... 320, I think, right? 320 gigs of uh, GPU RAM. Yeah, of 160, no, 380 per VM. Yeah, times, per, per VM. Times per VM. 164, right? So in this case, going quickly to my... If so, in this case, what we're talking about is simple, <laughs> simple math is 52,480 gigs of graphics GPU. Uh, just mind boggling. Just, uh, yeah, I think it can run Tetris kind of fast. <laughs> It's funny because it's all I know how to play. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that and Diablo. <laughs> so, so yeah, and and uh, yeah, and Doom, uh, the 3D one. Remember that one? Oh my yep, god! I do. Yeah, I was. Yeah, I was looking at. There was a modern version of Wolfenstein that was uh, out. Yeah. And one of my kids was trying to get me interested in that. Absolutely, uh, absolutely. Yeah. But it, it's time to move on. This is. This is to announce this this beast. Um, one of the things that it doesn't say over here, as you can imagine, is uh, the price. I think this is not for everyone. This is. I'm going to say that's out of scope for our conversation. Exactly. Let's. Uh, we're here to celebrate the technology. Um, yes. I don't. Uh, we've already begged for everybody's uh, debit card number. I think once. Yes, <laughs> we are not doing that. And we are not doing a, a GoFundMe just to test this. No. Uh, well, that's a great idea. Uh, you have, you are, guys are okay. So let's let's move on to the next one because it's a little bit more more into our world that is updates. Um, and let's move on. So the next one is the Azure Site Recovery Update Rollup 55 is now in general availability. This is related to mm -hmm. the April um, release, okay? And this is what, in this case, on Azure Site Recovery, they release on, on updates 55, roll-up update 55. Before we going on this, you just need to remember that you need to update these, and every time we're talking about these at least once per month, um, we have to say that you should start with your... Uh, provisioning server in this case with your um, yes. uh, with your Azure and then going to the provision server and the last but not least should be the agents okay yeah it's top down for updates always from the portal downwards yes, absolutely but in this in this case what they did regarding this is on the mobility service it was huge uh, in this case the added support for Ubuntu 20.04 on the master target server. So now they also add support for Linux OS on the master target. 
So which is huge. And not just Linux, I want to say it's Oracle Linux as well. So yeah, little heads up on that one because now we're starting to talk about those very beefy database servers. Yes, absolutely. And and that's the part that, that that is really critical to doing that, um, and is is doing that on the on the on all of that. So um, if you are in this case downloading new uh, the OVF for VMware uh, or to physical, you already have all of this roll up inside. But Azure Site Recovery Unify setup and configuration server template. So now it's you, you're going to see an update on the flow where the screen usually freezes on the configuration. So they, they, they basically address that. And the last but not least, um, the portal. The recovery portal uh, supports now the cross-continental disaster recovery for Azure VMs. It's, yep. Although it's limited to three region pairs. Which is awesome, because that's a pretty good limitation, to be honest, right? Yeah, this is not this. So, I think it's it's worth coming back for that uh, three region pairs. It's like not this is not in preview. This is already available. So what we are saying over here is we are enabling uh, you recover the VM, okay, in through three different Azure pairs. Okay, so three different regions, correct? So That's you correct. are protecting that VM that is on region A to a different region and going to even a different region that you can recover that VM. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think we talked about this feature, I want to say, a couple of weeks ago. Um, it seems like it's recent in my memory, so yeah. it's probably pretty soon. But uh, it's really important, though, because this gives us geographical redundancy within ASR. And one of the kind of the original concepts for ASR, uh, as you know, it kind of became a rapid migration tool and a rapid Azure adoption tool, which it's very strong at at doing that, certainly right now. But its original uh, usage was for site recovery yes. right so it was used as a disaster recovery tool and this is kind of speaking to that a little bit right so uh, i think that it still does a very good job a lot of organizations still have um, asr deployed as a dr tool even within their azure uh, like their primary azure prod uh, subscription and they have asr deployed on uh, multiple machines that are critical so they can replicate them to another region for that example, but now they can add multiple region pairs within each replication. So you, it's actually really fun. Um, I was playing with this last week a little bit because um, uh, I was actually working uh, with a client that is uh, preparing to do uh, a migration to Azure using ASR. Yeah, no, it's, 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 it's awesome because this allows you, for example, depending on, on the on your environment, right? Allows you, as we, I think we spoke on this show already uh, when this was in preview and now it now becomes a GA. 
that allows yeah. you to have, for example, if you are out of the East, uh, for example, allows you to have these replicated to, for example, North or even to East 2 or East, the new region, East 3. Uh, mm -hmm. So your focus in us is on the East and then you can replicate this to East 2 and replicate even to East 3 or going, for example, on East 2 and then Europe or any other place that you can recover if you have this. Um, if you are global dispersed, for example, you can come from the, the North America, any region to Europe, and then you're going, for example, um, to uh, Oceania, or in this case, or to Australia, or something like that, if you have that, that requirement. But at least you need a big comet coming, like what happened with, with dinosaurs, right? To just mm -hmm. be able to not recover. But at that time, I think no one will be here to see it. So you will be safe. Uh, at least your information is safe, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that got serious in a oh. hurry, didn't it? <laughs> Come on. We have, we, have, well, we, have okay, to, we have to have a little bit of fun. God, but yeah. Well, I wasn't sure if you were calling me a dinosaur or if uh, we were just worried about extinction all of a sudden. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you never know. I, either way, uh, geo replication. Yes. Very good thing. Global <clears throat> geo replication. Let's call it this way. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Oh gosh. Moving moving forward to the next one, talking about now the Azure. Uh, security center and is this what i like about our security center associated with the, the recovery the site recovery updates as well they always come with two two posts two updates one is yep. what they did uh in this case on ga on the past month in this case uh, may right and then you will have what's coming new okay so Right now, what we're talking about is what they did become available, okay, on Azure Security Center on the past month. So on May 2021. Yes. So from all of those updates, there are quite a few, okay. The Azure Defender for uh, DNS and Azure Defender for Resource Manager, it's released on GA, which is, yes. my God, is, is it's huge. huge. It's a big deal. It yeah. is a big deal because. And it's interesting. I was talking about this with a client last week uh, because I did, I did see this one um, come through as an update. And this is a, this is really, really great because uh, we did, we did, I don't know if we talked about it, but we did see it come through as in preview. And this is to address a lot of the lateral movement within a subscription or within a tenant. And that is really, really huge, uh, you know, to bring visibility to that. And, you know, you always refer, uh, you, you have taught me well, right? So you always refer to resource manager as Azure version two. Yeah. And to have defender uh, or let's say a defender service that is focused on that core fabric is really important. This is a huge, huge release for such a small statement. It's a very massive thing. It is. It is because now all of those DNS alerts that you're having, right? Um, you can now respond that you can have your Azure Defender 
that is nothing more than your old, not old, the, the rename it of the Azure Threat Protection, uh, the yeah. ADP, that now is Azure Defender, looking at those and reacting to those. So it's, it's yeah. pretty cool to have now all of that uh, Azure, Azure um, Machine Learning, Azure AI, Artificial Intelligence, working for you, monitoring those alerts. So who is querying, who is asking, who is doing anything on your DNS, okay? To see, to try to prevent right at the beginning, okay? any type of malicious behavior. So it's huge. Oh, exactly. It, right? It's and huge one of, right, right now. Yeah, and we get that crowdsourcing um, that you get with Azure AI, right? Yeah. So in the Defender Suites, if another tenant, like halfway across the world, let's say, is has a DNS attack happen, and um, that kind of outcome from that is used by the machine learning and put into the, the artificial intelligence for Defender and will automatically protect other people using Azure Defender for DNS, in this case, from that same threat, right? Yeah. Or that same threat vector, at least. Yes. So uh, we get the benefit of the cumulative knowledge of the AI for Azure that's worldwide. Yeah. And I mean, that's... Pretty freaking big. I'm just it gonna is, say it that way. The other one that is pretty big is is related to Azure Defender as well, but it's for the open source relational database release that is in GA. Mm -hmm. So now you can use exactly the same service uh, that we have, for example, for DNS and for the uh, Azure Resource Manager for your database. So you can connect, and and this is pretty cool because. If you have, for example, Azure SQL, okay, that is a past service, it's it's your connection stream is through a DNS, in this case, connection, right? So it's everything related. So now you can see that you can even going further on, on your protection to going on that specific analysis of the SQL logs natively on Azure native SQL servers, uh, extending the same protection to your SQL server that they are in hybrid, even on multi-cloud and on on-premise environments. So it's really huge, but it doesn't stay, it doesn't stay on SQL only. It goes beyond that. And now you can add this to the Azure database for MySQL, Postgres mm -hmm. and MariaDB as a single servers. So it's not only for the SQL server that we know from Microsoft, it's for the open source as well. It's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And and don't forget, there is an entry there for the SQL data classification yes. um, recommendation severity has been changed as well. So when there is a recommendation on sensitive data in your SQL database, that's been uh, changed from high to low severity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. That that part, it's it's huge, uh, it's huge as well. Uh, to just going going on that uh, even if the other part that I like as well on this new 
update is the part of the asset inventory. Now you can get the cloud environment filter. So basically yes. what you're doing is because Defender, um, as, as I mentioned, for example, for SQL, you can have multi-cloud. So now you can monitoring this, not only on Azure, but for example, all of the service that you have on AWS or even on a GCP, on the Google Cloud yeah. Platform. So it's pretty cool now to see what is the inventory that you are, in this case, monitoring and from which cloud uh, environment that you are just selecting the filtering of going there on the value and select either Azure, uh, either AWS or GCP. Pretty cool. Absolutely, right? And I just found actually one uh, very cool tie-in to one of the things we talked about last week, which was the hardening of the Kubernetes clusters. Yes. Uh, now, although this specific uh, kind of recommendations are in uh, preview for the Kubernetes clusters, that's now tied in to Azure Defender as well. So, it's, you, you know, I really love when we get to see those kinds of connections because we can see how that service fabric really does kind of come across everything, right? Absolutely. And that also at the same time emphasizes the importance of using Azure Defender for the resource manager because that reaches across everything, that, that service fabric, that, you know, we should have protection at that layer as well. Absolutely. Uh, and, and, and that's a very good point. And, and that is a, it's a, an excellent segue to the, next, to the next one. That is the Azure Security Center public preview updates for May 2021. So with this case, we have only two. One of them you already mentioned that is the hardening of the Kubernetes cluster that is in preview. Um, ah, and the other one is the enable the trust launch applications or capabilities, sorry, um, that you got that we have regarding regarding um, uh, the Azure Defender, not the, the Azure Security Center, sorry, uh, for uh, generation two VMs. So this- It is. It is big as well yeah, uh, to see. It, to it see is this. a big one. Yeah. Oh. yeah. I didn't actually mean to jump ahead. I believe it or not, that is cross-linked in the same knowledge base article. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. That's why I <laughs> use I use that. And I was hoping that, that you follow that as the last one so we can have the perfect segue. Uh, yeah, well, it worked out well, but folks, uh, yeah, this I didn't is mean to not steal 50% of this one. Exactly. <laughs> I have to say that this is not trained. Okay, it's this is this is just magic happened between all of us. Okay, <laughs> it is it's unrehearsed and it's very <laughs> honest, isn't it? <laughs> but yeah, so this enable trust, and and we're going to talk about earning Kubernetes in a moment, uh, because I was reading uh, while we were waiting um, for for each other, I was reading about this. And this Azure offers trust launch of seamless way to improve the security of generation two VMs. The trust, yes. trusted launch protects against advanced and persistent attacks techniques. So right now we have recommendations to enable that uh, uh, trust capabilities. 
in this in preview for our generation two VMs. So if you don't see this, uh, it might happen for two reasons. First of all, it's in preview. Mm -hmm. Second is because you don't have a generation two VM. And that's a big one. I, that happens a lot more often than I would have ever thought. Yeah. yeah. And the reason why, if you look at is to be able to enable these strong trust launches uh, of, of this capability, you need to be on gen generation two. Because on generation two VM, we have to remember that Azure, it's based on Hyper-V. And now I'm going back to my old school. Um, that is, you have what's called the virtual TPM. And you have yeah. all of that that you need. That is one of the things that Hyper-V was at that time, was leading in this case on security. What's called the this virtual TPM, basically what it does is enable what is the guest uh, attestation extension. So meaning yes. that if you are not, uh, you can have that virtual machine uh, running only on the hosts that you want. So if someone tried to copy, for example, the VHD or the VHDX and, and uh, extract that and try to run on their Hyper-V, that virtual machine, it will not start. So it's critical, yeah. for example, when you have someone um, that access the storage of your Hyper-V cluster, for example, and steals, for example, and was one of the one of the examples that I was doing doing the demos at that time. Uh, when we add um, presential, in this case, um, uh, conference and, and and speaking at that time, right now, um, that I was showing that because. Usually, one of the attacks that they do is they copy the the domain controller, right? And yep. offline, gotcha. they try to do the brute force attack without alerting anyone to try to see what are the passwords, especially for those service accounts. Um, yeah, and a, a common attack vector was if the if somebody could obtain your backup copies while they were in transit. Exactly, uh, yeah. and and by doing this guest attestation. Um, you cannot do that because you are only saying that that virtual machine only runs on those very specific servers because of this virtual TPM, right? So it yeah. was more like it was not encrypted. It's just using that to just uh, make sure that that is the correct host that you can run that VM. Um, exactly. And because of that, it's one of the reasons that you have these enable trusted launch capabilities. It's on base of the virtual TPM and, and that is only available on generation two. Um, so I know that I went a little bit more technical, but uh, I had to say it because it reminds me my my old back days. <laughs> old back I days think it's days. good, right? Because you, you have a lot of passion yes. around um, virtualization, right? And when we think about Azure virtualization, we're really talking about Hyper-V. And, uh, you know, you have shared, uh, I just, uh, maybe a little thank you moment here, because I think it's fitting. So you have shared that passion with a lot of people. I can think of three other people I know that you've interacted with, um, sometimes with me, sometimes without, but I've witnessed other people get excited about your passion 
and because of your passion. So I think it's important that we uh, just stop and say thank you, Marcos, for sharing your passion. Uh, because it gets it gets some of us really excited about different pieces of technology, and it gets gets our brain working in different ways that uh, helps us to think up new ways to use these Microsoft solutions to help our organizations, help our users. Right. So uh, yeah, there's a lot of good stuff that comes out of, and and really it's no more complicated. Um, I know uh, if uh, if I think of I'm thinking in right now of a young man. Uh, and I think, you know, he has a very similar name to yours first name, at least. <laughs> and yeah, see, you're remembering, right. And a really sharp young fellow and uh, very passionate about virtualization and other technologies as well. So, uh, yeah, you've, you've really lit a lot of flames over the years. And I think it's really cool. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. For that, that said, that said, uh, your, your guest attestation attestation extension uh, has some flexibility for the uh, for the for the VTPM right yes. so uh, we can use it with Windows and Linux virtual machines in the v2 but it's also available for both Windows and Linux for scale sets uh, VMs and scale sets as well right absolutely you need to be you need to be on this generation two in this case. Uh, other than that, it's going to be um, difficult for you to have it is available. Um, and that's that's the part that that is really complicated. Um, but yeah, uh, you can now it's been expanded because Hyper-V and even Azure, it's not only for Windows. Uh, it's for for basically use for everything. Uh, they've been going on that part a lot uh on for a very long for time, very long yeah, time. Many yes. for a very long time yeah it's really good so we should we should maybe emphasize that this feature is also in preview, preview right now yeah. so uh because it is part of the boot process and we add extensions to the vm in azure um you might want to use some caution and maybe not use this one in production uh, I don't think we'll be too preachy about this one. It has been out for a little while with the attestation, but uh, just a note of caution: maybe don't try it on your DC. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. But talking about now about Kubernetes and what I like about these uh, new recommendations of Arning is usually, and I see that a lot, um, especially when you are when you are doing CI/CD and you have all of that is for example, using the default namespace for uh, the Kubernetes cluster, right? So, and one of the recommendations of ordering is that the Kubernetes cluster should not use the default namespace. Usually- For obvious it's reasons. Obvious, it's obvious reasons, right? <laughs> but uh, it's obvious, but a lot of people doing that. And because we know, we know this, we've been on this, um, on this kind of uh, environment, not environment, but on this uh, career for a long period of time. And we know that usually, oh, but it's only in test. No, it doesn't matter. Because we know that the oh, test becomes- as soon as you put it out. Yes. Yeah. We know that the test becomes production on a very short period of time. So please, folks, uh, please, our friends, um, do not use the default namespace. Now you will have some alerts. 
now you will see in this case um, the Azure Security Center coming with that alert that you should change the default namespace, which is not yeah, available right. at that time. And the other ones is, is that is important is the you should disable the auto mounting of the API credentials. Yes. Come on. Um, if you are, if you want not anyone to compromise your pod from running API, uh, disable the auto mounting because yep. that that is a recipe for disaster. It is, but this is this is really let's let's think about what this is similar to for a moment, right? So this is this is quite similar to a hardening process that we would go through with a Windows or a Linux server, where we would have a checklist and we measure that checklist against the config, of course, so that we can then say, okay, we've made it through this, we consider this approved for production, or it's okay to use this. Now you can move forward. That hasn't really been uh, a strong emphasis. It's been coming in um, like little slices for Kubernetes, right? Yes. Uh, there's been some measurement. I, I want to say that there has been some, but uh, it's been kind of the big stuff. So now we're getting into some of the more detail-focused pieces, uh, best practices with Kubernetes. And uh, that, like you said, I think it's important to emphasize, it's going to show in Security Center now so that you can gain visibility to it. So uh, if you're in development or you're, you know, you're hands-on with Kubernetes in ops, then uh, your security team is going to know in a couple of weeks, because right now this is in preview yeah. again, but uh, when it hits GA, it will be in the production tenants. So now is a good time to get in front of it if you're hearing this message and you know, start your project, start your, uh, your sprint, whatever system you're using internally and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I, I read this about Azure. I heard it from Marcos and Andrew. They said, uh, yep, uh, right hand up, left hand up, which I can't, the screen makes me forget which one is which is right hand up. <laughs> oh boy, right hand up. It's been a long day, folks, it's okay. <laughs> but it's not only that. What I like about this and what I love about the Azure Security Center is uh, you don't need to be an expert in this case or advanced, uh, advanced knowledge or an SME, let's call it this way, right? Uh, mm -hmm. On Kubernetes to have all of this. Because, yes, we know this because we have experience on the field we've been passing to this and we have a bunch of knowledge of deploying a gazillions of, 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 of Kubernetes cluster uh, with different customers with a lot of times, right? And we come to all of these best practices. What I like about these updates and special security center is they are making this without any efforts, okay? To make all of those deployments of Kubernetes way more secure for everyone you don't need to yeah. be an expert you're just going there add the kubernetes to your infrastructure right add kubernetes to your azure security center and bang you have already that available to you to say hey mr customer 
you already are running Kubernetes, for example, you are running with the default namespace. You should not do that, okay? And get an alert. Of course, that you can go there and dismiss this recommendation because again, it's just a recommendation. But this recommendation follows the best practice of security. And if yes. you look, there is a well public, uh, in this case, uh, document, in this case, that says about the container security inside of security center. So you will see all of the best practice that me or any other architect, uh, in this case, you as well, uh, follow because that is our Bible. This is what we follow. Those are guidelines. Again, our guidelines, it's not rules. It's not mandatory that you need to do it. It's, you will increase your security, of course. You will increase your availability and you are reducing, in this case, any type of attack. I think it's important to reinforce this because we are not saying, and I want to be very clear to everyone that listens, that we are not saying that you should um, uh, change, in this case, the default namespace. If you have a strong reason for using that, use it. There is no problem, right? Um, but it's not becoming your class becomes way more uh, slower or you will have problems. No, it's just because it's the default namespace. It's a well-known, okay? And it's like one of the best practice, for example, just, just to finish this part and not extending too much, is one of the best practices to rename the administrator user. Everyone knows that when you're building uh, Active Directory from scratch, the administrator is there and, and the user calls administrator. So there is a lot of, of, even on the CIS, if you're going on the CIS, one of the first things, if I'm not mistaken, is to disable the administrator and copy, or in this case, recreate with exactly the same group membership, another user that you define that is not the default one. Yep, absolutely. So it's, yeah, it's, and... it's common sense. It's like, are you obliged to just disable the administrator a user or user administrator? No, you are not. Are you reducing your uh, surface of attack? Absolutely. Yep, quite a bit. Yeah. So this is the part that I just want to reinforce because it's it's really important to do it. And, and I've been extending this too much. That's the problem with viewer updates. We're trying to go deep. <laughs> uh, we're trying to have this conversation because we have a time. We're doing exactly the same thing as we have like 15 or 20 updates because the conversation is so good, right? Well, sometimes we get a little excited about stuff. I do it. You do it. Uh, once in a while, we both do it. And then we have a very long podcast. Yes. <laughs> but that's okay. Um, it's good to deep dive. That's why we use uh, those really cool chapters too, right? So um, at the tail end of our uh, long discussion on Kubernetes security, let's say if you don't want to hear it, you should have skipped ahead using the chapters exactly. already. Exactly. <laughs> That's why I create the chapters in this case. So should we move to the next one? Let's, yeah, let's hit the next one here. So we have uh, something, of course, that we're both quite passionate about which is good prices, 
no, just kidding. Uh, well, <laughs> lower prices in this case. <laughs> lower prices are always good, but Azure Sentinel and Azure Monitor, right? So uh, this was really exciting to see. Um, and quite frankly, very timely. Um, there's been a lot of security projects happening uh, and uh, a lot of customers are starting to really examine data a little bit more closely for things exactly like what we were just talking about, looking at best practices and analyzing logs using a lot of the Microsoft tool sets that we're given for free, like Security Center. It's there for free and it tells us the best practices, right? So. Uh, to do that, we do have to accumulate, let's say, some data. And in this case, we want to talk about Sentinel and monitoring, which means we're really talking about a log analytics workspace. Yes. And uh, you get some cool stuff uh, completely free of charge as well yes. with, uh, with the log analytics workspace when it's linked to Sentinel uh, and monitor, right? So you get like uh, Office 365 data, that's all free. Uh, you get some internal Azure monitoring data that is free as well, uh, coming into a Sentinel linked uh, workspace. And I know that there's a bunch of other ones, but I don't, I don't want to misspeak too much about free stuff yes. because then people get upset. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not only that. The, the thing is they are, uh, first of all, uh, they are moving to a higher uh, data injection because uh, when we talk about Azure Sentinel and Azure Monitor, we are talking the costs basically of the log analytics workspace. So we're talking about yes. the injection of data per day. Okay, uh, that is that is the part. Of course, that you will have another cost of the amount of data that you will retain, but in this case, it's not covered over here, um, it's just the amount of data. And first of all, they are putting higher data in injection. So like one terabyte per day, two terabytes per day, and five terabytes per day. But even on that, uh, I like the way that they put this update because we are, uh, we are a very detail oriented, me and you, right? And we like those details. Sometimes. So, Sometimes, no, always, come on. <laughs> That's what we like, okay. okay? So they have an example over here. If if you are using yeah. 500 gigs a day, uh, and that's your commitment to use, uh, usually uh, you are billing $2 per gig as a pay-as-you-go yeah. pay rate in this case. Yeah, it was almost like a disincentive. Yes to yes. uh, go with a lower tier, you had to pre-purchase a whole bunch more data than what you would use to avoid that big charge. big charge. And right now they're coming from $2 to 80 cents. So yeah. per gigabyte. A big, big so it's, it's yeah. a huge reduction. So, and this was um, one of the reasons that the people got excited with Sentinel, but then they starting to not using because of the price. And this becomes way yes. more appealing starting on, on June 2nd, right? Or started on June 2nd, more appealing mm -hmm. for you to use this, um, which is great because now you have uh, these lower costs, right? 
from the 500 gigabytes to one terabyte to two terabytes, five terabytes a day of data injection, right? Absolutely, yeah. And this is about the commitment that you've made, yes. right? So if your pay-as-you-go, this doesn't necessarily apply other than the new ingestion rate. If you're over the free uh, threshold, then uh, you pay 80 cents a gig over top of that now instead of the $2 per gig. That one, uh, I believe, would still apply. But uh, this is more about uh, the customers who have a good understanding already of how much data per day in log size is going into the log analytics workspace for ingestion. Yeah. But you have, you have to try it out. Um, I, the one thing I want to say is if your organization hasn't tried Sentinel and doesn't understand how much data you would be ingesting, talk to your Microsoft account executive because I know that they've uh, have had a renewed push for the uh, security workshops and you may be able to get some funding or at least some very good advice at a minimum on how to take a look at this. I know you love how I, I kind of like pad it, right? No, absolutely. <laughs> but because I, I saw that because on my pipeline now I have a bunch of those security workshops again to do it. And and when I saw this, but this should be over. Why are we going back again to the security workshops? And because of the success of the first wave, we are on the on the on, I the, think on so. this on the second wave in this case of these security yeah. workshops. Yeah, one of the things I'm really proud of actually is that we both over the last year have had a lot of very successful security yeah. workshops with customers. Yeah. New customers, existing customers. So that's why I'm kind of saying to people, like if you haven't already got a chance to play in the Sentinel space, talk, uh, like ask, and you never know. The one thing that a really handsome smart fellow on my computer monitor right now taught me, he's looking right at me. He said to me one day, Andrew, you will never know the answer if you don't ask. Uh, and you know what, uh, in this case, ask exactly. <laughs> no it's you always guaranteed you might listen to yes <laughs> and that's what we want to to hear in this case but for sure uh, uh grab that uh you never know you might get andrew or me uh, as as a person to deliver these these workshops it really depends uh on on your relationship i won't say it in the recording but you can ask me later uh i'm not booking uh, anything in the near future right now. <laughs> so you are not available I, is what you're saying. Uh, not in the short term, but if you're, if you're looking at long-term planning, then a hundred percent I'm available. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. My friend. That's okay. No worries. Uh, moving to the last but not least is the general availability of a key rotation and expiration policies for Azure storage. So I have to say that we misleading our, our viewers, or in this case you, at the beginning of the, of the show, saying that was not a topic. But after doing this, I think we have a security week. Uh, I, I would agree, actually. Uh, it was a little bit uh, lost on you and I. Yes. 
maybe having too much fun. We, to, <laughs> we were joking around a little bit. <laughs> Absolutely. But uh, you know that's good too, right? Because it uh, it puts a smile on our face and gets us ready uh, to, uh, in this case, sit down and just chat while we record. But um, I do like the security theme this week. There's been some very positive uh, releases. And certainly key rotation with uh, expiration policies on storage is big. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it maybe a couple of weeks ago again that we talked about uh, storage scoping keys? Yeah, it was. Yeah, like maybe two or three weeks. It might have been a bit longer. But um, this one's really cool. So this feature allows uh, not just to set the key expiration duration, but also add a policy that mandates anyone deploying storage endpoints that they have to specify a key rotation duration. So it means it has to expire. Think of it like an expiring password. Once in a while, you have to reset your password. It's kind of the same idea Absolutely. that there's a time limit on it. And that's really, really cool, uh, to be honest, because one of the things that is dangerous in governance is that uh, what did I do? No, no, keep going. <laughs> I'm liking. I'm liking what, what you're saying. Keep going. So, yeah, because when, when I think about governance and keys that don't expire, um, the way that we got around this previously was using, uh, using Azure policy uh, to take a look at how old the key was and then make a determination if we had to expire that or raise an alert of, uh, you know, whatever the action that we need to take is, right? But now we can rotate the keys and we have we can set up a policy within the storage. So it's, it's not even in Azure policy, it's inside the storage account itself. So to me, that's kind of exciting uh, because it means we're going to be a lot safer when it comes to issuing keys within, within storage. Yeah. And, and for me, you mentioned, you just mentioned very light the point that i was when i was smiling to to see where you're going is the part of the governance right because if you have a, a possibility of applying policies right now you're very tied to to azure policy and this yeah. will solve another issue that for example on your dev environment right that you are, if you're having CI CD that you are developing, usually you don't want to uh, work with these key rotations. Usually set and forget. And as we know, a lot of those times, that same code, it promotes to UAT, right? And promotes to production. So using that, you set and forget. And a lot of those times, you are using so much or you are even getting those keys and because they are keys you set and forget and you never rotate those so now even if you are doing on the same one i can arrange a policy or i can create the policy that is defined for, for production that no matter what you are doing okay i will rotate and i will have an expiration so the application in this case needs to be aware of that to rekey all of those Azure storage keys, right? So, so, so you can be able to do it. And it does more because if you're doing this, 
right? If you're doing these rikis, you are almost obliged to using one of our favorite, uh, in this case, fixtures, that is Azure Key Vault. And yes. we already talked about it uh, quite a few episodes ago um, uh, that Azure Key Vault, you have the possibility of getting the key only once. You can update as many times as you want and you get only that and starting to using. So if you are a developer and you are listening to us, this is really key for you to just update your code. So starting to use Azure Key Vault to get the keys for Azure Storage, because guess what? The security team and the infrastructure team will deploy this policy in production. So we will stop yep. of putting there and forget it because now it becomes under the Azure governance. It becomes one mm. topic because it's GA that we have to talk about it with our customers to say, what is your policy regarding the key rotation and the expiration of the keys for the Azure storage? So that's the part that mm -hmm. I was smiling because I was thinking that you are going on that direction, but you just brief light touch that part. But it, that's okay. I did. That's okay. I can't take it all. I can't take it all. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. That's why I was smiling because I was saying, wow, he's getting on that direction. But yes, you are, you are right. You are absolutely right on this. Uh, but I think this, in my perspective, goes way a little bit further than only this particular fixture, right? Yeah, we yeah. So it, it is definitely a deep topic. Yes. And when we, we think about security, which is definitely the theme for the week, yeah, we totally lied at the start. That's okay. If you didn't like the lie and you're happy about the security, let us know in the comments <laughs> if you've made Just it this far. Just smash the unlike button and we are okay with it. <laughs> That's it's it's honest and that's fine with us, but uh, you know it it is important though for all of our customers and also all of our listeners as well that uh, you know we don't light touch on security, so it is one of those things that's easy to do the minimum, but it is a lot of work. Uh, you do have to be thoughtful and mindful when you sit down and you start working through all of these things, right? And thinking about policy and governance and best practices. So use the tools, use Azure Security Center. It's really there to help you. It's help. It's there to help guide you and your organization and make your journey a little bit easier and to help you focus on some of the, uh, one of the things I love about, I wanna digress for a moment. One of the things I love about Secure Score in general is that it, it kind of bumps up to the top the most impactful actions that you can take to help improve your score. And the same is very much true with Azure Security Center, that the recommendations they make, they try to put a good order to them. And uh, the most meaningful, the most impactful ones are at the top. Yeah, critical as and well. It, yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Because uh, if there's, for example, like a critical vulnerability that has uh, been noticed by the AI with Azure Defender, and then it moves that up to the top of your list if there is opportunity to improve and reduce 
your risk footprint. So it's there to help you, help guide you. Uh, but yeah, there is a lot of very deep dive security stuff. That's for darn sure. Um, it's very deep topic. Absolutely. But. Absolutely. What a great week. A great week. A great week. We ended this on the very high note. Uh, we end this episode on a very high note. So yes, um, you. we come to the end of this today uh, or this week show. Um, uh, sadly, uh, the conversation was amazing. Um, I was hoping for a, a shorter episode, I have to say, I have to confess. Um, but you never know, between me and, and Andrew, we're starting to say, uh, you have two minutes. And it already happened two hours later. We say, it was only two minutes. <laughs> and we already two hours talking. So, but That's the IT five-minute exactly, problem, isn't exactly. it? Exactly. Yeah. So thank you, uh, Andrew, for once again, uh, being here and having this conversation because this is a dialogue. If it was a, my, a monologue, you will only see my my face, not the beautiful face of of Angelos. Um, and and again, thank you so much. Please don't forget to subscribe. Uh, don't forget to to smash that like button. Uh, give some comments to see what you like, you don't like. We apologize for the misleading in, in the beginning. If you think that that is unacceptable, just smash with really hard the unlike button. Um, Absolutely. Leave a comment. Let us exactly. know. Yep. Uh, but if you think that this is useful for some of your colleagues, uh, share it. Uh, or we will give you the money back uh, without any problem. <laughs> Uh, the money back the guarantee. money back guarantee it's, joke. Yeah, we're in trouble, exactly. everybody. We're in exactly. trouble. <laughs> so, yeah, thank you so much for staying with us. Uh, again, we we really value all of the feedback. It's absolutely amazing. Absolutely. So, thank you, and see you next week. Bye.